Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed. My colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis. We're having a little technical issues. I was getting ready to say, like, the running man. We're having technical difficulties. Well, I was waiting for you to, like, just take your oh, shit. computer outside, like, fucking office space and start beating the shit out of it with a baseball bat, but... Well, we knew it was, like, just the program itself that wasn't really cooperating. Like, you know, once you do Windows updates, it starts fucking with shit all the time. And But DJ Neko comes to the rescue. Because DJ Neko is really, really good at troubleshooting things because the internet has all the answers. 
you know, she kind of self-glorifies herself a little bit. Sometimes she's not got always the answer. Sometimes it's Nubis has come through in the pinch. Remember the time that you almost lost your hard drive and you were freaking out about it? Yeah. And you didn't lose your hard drive? Yeah. And I figured out how to fix it? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just kind of stick to that. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, uh, we're doing like a double shot this today for two different podcasts because... We will be going on vacation next week. I don't... You, using the word vacation... <laughs> For me, it's a vacation. You calling this a vacation? <laughs> Visiting my parents is a vacation. Because we're going out of state. To me, that's a vacation. <laughs> Neko just really loves my family. She just does. You know, it's one of those things. But, you know, I haven't seen him in years, so... And that's why we're going. We we do need to see them. Yeah. Um, but they live kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, not even close to any airport that has a direct flight. So, if we would have flown, um, we would have had, like, three or four layovers in order to get to the airport that's the closest to them, which is still two hours away. And then we still would have had to rent a car, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not even inexpensive to rent a car. It's not cheaper to rent a car in Arkansas than it is to rent a car here in Baltimore. So I I took every angle that I could. I'm like, Christ, we'll fly into um, Memphis. No, no, because still renting a car is more expensive in, in Memphis than it is in Baltimore. Right. Whatever. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't because... I'm sitting there thinking, like, with if we just drove out there, it's still going to cost, like, $400, uh, maybe not $400, like, maybe 250 in gas anyway, maybe 400 who the hell knows, <laughs> um, and I'm like, so, if we have to have gas, and then we rented a car, I'm like, I need to find airline tickets that are around, like, $800, to make it worth my while without it wasting a bunch of time because honestly the most direct way to get to his parents is to drive like it's there's no i mean yeah they just happen to be in like one of those areas it's a that's, small town like they have to go 80 miles to like the nearest like walmart and stuff like that so, so it's it's interesting but yeah i, I don't we we do need to go see them as as we haven't seen them in many years and um they're not very close to us at all. Not in the least bit. Right. Like, but the whole point was, you know... We're not going to be doing the show next week because we'll be out of town. Right. So this will be for that one. And then when we get back, we're probably not going to feel like going through all the show. We want to kind of like wind down before we go back to work the following week. So we'll at least have two podcasts ready to go once we once i get back i'll I'll post one before we leave and then one after we get back but uh yeah so you'll you'll get your regular wednesday episode but then the following week it's probably not going to go up until friday or thursday or whatever day we come back i think we're leaving that wednesday right yeah but it's an 18 hour drive yeah so it'll probably be posted Friday, and then we'll have to do another show for the following week, so it's like a big, vicious circle. Yeah. So we're going to be kind of exhausted, but such is life. But we forged through. Uh, a lot of great music coming up this uh, this podcast as well. Uh, new stuff from um, 
I actually got new stuff from uh, Necrotic Records, who I finally got back in touch with. They sent me a little care package that you all saw on YouTube, and uh, we got some of their music uh, from their roster of bands in here. Um, Great Rock Block with Neko's Pick of the Week. Got my retro movie DVD uh, movie I, I watched with her uh, that we will review, and then uh, a doc as well as a series review that we're going to conclude, which we found out actually got canceled. So, kind of a bummer, but uh, we'll discuss the season four of Good Girls after this first block of music. And going to kick it off with a band called Final Summon. This is Entropy Annihilation.
Talk a little bit about good girls. So I um I was getting myself all wound up during the music break. I was like kind of in the last like day, Retta, who plays Ruby on Good Girls, um, she's she's married to Stan, who's the cop, and she is phenomenal. I've seen her in so many I mean she was in Parks and Rec. Well, maybe we need to break it down what the show's about. I don't know if people watch okay. Watch the show. We're not going to give you the ins and outs. It's basically about these three women, uh, Ruby, Beth. Annie, and Beth. Yeah. Annie and Beth are sisters. Beth's the older sister. And it starts off in season one where um, Beth and Annie and Ruby are just struggling financially. And they decide they're going to rob the grocery store where Annie works. And what ends up happening is they are... Inadvertently yeah. steal the wrong guy's <laughs> yeah, shit. So the grocery store is a place to wash this gang member's uh, money. And when he finds out that it was robbed and found out who it was, he gets them all involved in the money scheme. And that's how it's gone for the last four seasons. And um, I started... We found out that they were supposed to have a season five. And if you watch season four the way it ends, it's not like finished. If you there's there's more stories that could be told that like they didn't end it on an ending type thing. Um, so they they canceled season five, but there really wasn't been wasn't a lot of information. It was just canceled. They said it's not going to happen. So in the last twenty four hours, Retta, who plays Ruby and um has been on the kelly kelly ripa and ryan seacrest show live with kelly and, and uh ryan ryan and basically she was opening up saying that they were very close to a fifth season but one person ruined it for all of the cast and crew so it's not back and i, I think kelly ripa herself is a fan of the show because she's like i can't i don't why can't it be back we need the final season and and uh, Retta was like, it was a little too close to when they would have had to start and figure out a story. And she said, trust me, Kelly, I'm salty. I was literally like, okay, maybe there was a bomb scare at some point, And then a bomb actually went off. And that's why the person's gone. Like, she said, there's ways to write it out. But Retta, Mae Whitman, who plays Annie, and Christina Hendricks, who plays Beth, they have not disclosed the identity of the person. Christina Hendricks has kind of come out saying, oh, we just wanted to end the show, you know, at a high, like we did with Mad Men, blah, blah, blah. And she's kind of, Christina Hendricks is always kind of the person who's never going to talk shit. She's, right. she's very, that's just how she does her business. She is pissed off as she is. She might be calling Retta and texting Retta at night saying this is fucking bullshit, but like in public, she will always just kind of be like, Retta, on the other hand, doesn't do that. And she Retta has been in Parks and Rec, um, The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, and Good Girls, and all three of those I watched. Um, you know, all Parks and Rec and The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce all got a final season. Like, they got a final show. They were, they wrapped up, but this didn't. And I think it's what's really pissing her off is, like, it feels like an incomplete project. So the three leading ladies actually um, 
agreed to take a pay cut to, to shoot the final season because it was that important to them. And then an NBC insider told, told um, E.T., you know, Entertainment Tonight, that the network had been unable to make financials work. And then another person close to the network cited creative issues. Another insider in the show who has not been um, named hinted to the outlet that scheduling and money were an issue for Manny Montana, who is Rio, who's the uh, antagonist, main, yeah. the main gang gang friend, as they like to call him. Right. So there's enough of a story going on, though, that Red is right. You could have just figured out a way to... Yeah, and, and it's sad, you know, like, I, I got an article pulled up here from um, avclub.com, which, you know, they, uh, th this person, particular person, is a fan of the show, but they're saying that, aside from all the stuff that you just said, that the show itself had, after sec the second season, sort of become recycled, like, the storylines were being about the same uh, they were kind of going in circles, and then we know that at the end of this season... I think it got a little bit more interesting at the end of season four. That's what I'm saying, and that, especially now with Annie kind of left holding the bag for, you know, major crimes, I'll just put it, but... Yeah, Annie's the one who's getting blamed for a, a major crime that Rio actually did. And I will say that, like, of all... Like, the acting in the series was great, because you had Matthew Lillard, of course, who's very popular, uh, especially in the 90s. Uh, but I thought Mae Whitman was, like, the highlight for me in terms of the acting and the character. Uh, and, of course, this person on this article is com kind of complained that Annie was her character was still like this childlike person who was trying to take care of her kid and you know and it's true but at the same time all three of these women uh the one gripe that i would admit that's i agree with is that every time they have something going on with rio like they're trying to get away from they're trying to get out of the the more criminal aspect of it they keep doing stupid things to put them right back in there so on that level, it's like you kind of say to yourself, man, how can someone be so stupid? And I don't think it even is stupidity because Beth even admitted that, like, she likes it. Well, at the end, she did. She did. And, and now she's like, and you know, she's like a councilwoman or mm -hmm. something. She's, she's in public office. But, uh, you know, but then her sister is going to jail. So that's it's really one of those things like we... You know, as everybody wants some kind of conclusion to all this, it's more of a happy ending. Well, it doesn't even need to be a happy ending. It just needs to be an ending. It's ending at a peak of a story because they did that every year. They would end the they end it with like a peak of a story. Right. Beth is now a councilwoman. Annie is going to jail. Um, Beth, Ruby's. Beth Beth's husband leave is leaving her. Ruby's husband and daughter and son are moving to Vegas while Ruby is staying behind because Ruby and Beth have been best friends for a long time and she's just really because now that Annie is in jail she, she's like I can't leave yeah, her like this right. and so that is not an ending that no. is like another story kind of revving up and what really sucked about season 3 is season 3 didn't even get to be a full season it just ended because of COVID. They were told they right. so there was no like fi finale episode. It just stopped. I actually went back while when we started watching season four, I went back and 
I didn't watch season one, but I watched season two and season three so that I could remember everything because it had been so long since we watched Good Girls and I wanted to remember all the little details. Mm -hmm. There's so many little side stories that they, they needed to um, close out, finish. I mean, the girls bought a strip club. Yeah. You know, there's a lot that they could have worked on. Um, but at this point, it's almost like I'm reading another article and um, there was various uh, publications, E! News, TV Line, um, they started reporting that the series was canceled due to negotiations with Manny Montana, who played Rio. Various interviews between Christina Hendricks and Montana were tense. They both described their relationship on the show as quote-unquote professional. Um, however, many Hollywood insiders like director Matthew Cherry pointed out that Montana should not be made a scapegoat when NBC could have get, given everyone a raise. And, like, I, I mean, for the three girls to negotiate a new contract for the final season to make less, and they were trying to keep... I mean, this, this is what it sounds like. They wanted to keep the show for the final season. Montana was bitching about getting a raise. The girls t took a pay cut, but then Montana could not negotiate what he wanted for even with the three leading ladies taking a pay cut. That's kind of what I'm feeling out about this. Yeah, but, but you know, he is one of the main main characters. Mm -hmm. So like but like what this person is saying here is that uh, the main trio somehow still make the same glaringly stupid decision they did when they were rookie criminals. All that time spent transferring, transforming Beth into a badass boss feels wasted if she's still just going to play cat and mouse with Rio. He's a formidable, charming villain, and Montana excels in the role, but one of the biggest problems with season four is that it doesn't offer any new, anything new to his fraught, hot and cold relationship with Beth. Perhaps getting rid of him as much as it would hurt and introducing a fresher, stronger enemy is the jolt the good girl's needs. Now, this is probably before any of this stuff that you're talking because this is more like recent news that mm -hmm. you got. Um, what hasn't slowed down this season, though, are the performances. Hendricks, Whitman, Lillard, and Hill have all perfected their characters. Retta is the MVP, making the most of her softer notes and continuing to show her range after Parks and Recreation. And, you know, I adore Christina Hendricks. She's like my favorite person in the world and what I, I like about her is she, especially in this, and she did it in Mad Men too, she does this um, like I'm, I'm a lady but I'm also a badass. I mean you saw, uh -huh. you've seen a lot of Mad Men. I know you didn't watch it as um, regularly as I did but you remember what she did to negotiate to get herself to be, you know, a 10% partner in Sterling Cooper. You know, she used what she did and, but on the, on the, the facade was proper lady wearing suit. I'm, you know, the office manager. I'm the senior secretary. I'm in charge of all the girls, but underneath she is a ruthless businesswoman working and it ended up being to her at the end her like potential like she ended up getting a lot of money when the company was finally bought out by um mccann erickson and this is back in the sick like 1970 so her like little 10 percent ended up being 
I think two hundred thousand dollars and two hundred thousand dollars back in 1970 is enough that she could have figured out the rest of her life and and lived a, a life of luxury but instead she wanted to continue being a, a businesswoman and she put up a company that matched um, writers with um, like commercial directors and the commercial director would be like this is what we want and then she would find the writer pay the writer and then the commercial director would pay for the script it was very smart of her because that's what she but that's what I also love about good girls you look at at the beginning Beth is she's like I'm just a mom that's all she ever says mm -hmm. you know I'm just a mom I'm just a, that was her platform for running for congresswoman woman I am just a or not, or councilwoman I'm just a mom you know I have four kids and a husband and and it was a cool kind of cat and mouse even between Rio and his brother because his brother was a councilman who was sort of going under the radar for most of the season and then we find out that he's actually pulling a lot of strings of his own. Uh, but yeah, best transformation even at the end there where she finally kind of realizes that, yeah, she really likes... She likes living a life of crime. Right, and because it, it, it's good money. It's better than what they were doing before, but it, it has a lot of risk. But uh, the little bench scene there with Rio and Beth at the end was kind of fun, and, you know, it's too bad we can't really see what's going on beyond it. I mean, I get how the article writer was like, you know, maybe you need some new enemies, but the reality is Rio's kind of like that guy that's already, he's like the flying ointment, he's always going to be there. And I also think that Rio, and like, remember, Rio was getting a little jealous because yes. Beth was hanging out yep. with his brother. Like, so she's talking to the brother, and then meanwhile, I'm not giving too many spoilers because there's a lot going on, but she was kind of getting in with the uh, councilman because she was trying to figure things out to get all of her friends off the hook mm -hmm. so she's trying to get in with the councilman to get some things fixed and to find out some dirt on him too and when the council the councilman is the one who suggested that she runs for the open seat and when she was talking to Rio's brother the councilman Rio is getting totally jealous uh, in season three or two I can't remember but at one point Rio took all of Beth's stuff because she, yeah. she, the whole house, all the furniture, everything you could think of, he robbed her. And um, she was upset, but it was because I, he, you know, Rio said, that's my, that's my cut now, because it was over the money, of course. So they come home one day, and this is after Beth is like kind of hanging out with uh, the councilman, and all the stuff has been returned. Rio is there, but he, like, actually knocks on the back door instead of just mm -hmm. barging in. And he gives her her cut. Yeah. Because at one point, he took all of her money, which was uh, raised for her to do... Um, yeah, it was just weird, like, sibling rivalry between Rio and his brother, cousin, whatever you want to call him. But when his cousin started, like, trying to get... Beth to be into the city council and all because he had plans of his own for her. Uh, somehow both guys saw certain things about Beth a as a character and said, like, we can get her and to do something more. And that's where Rio was getting judged. Like, well, she's mine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's the one that I'm grooming to do this. So, yeah, you know, and then that little tender moment on the bench at the end, like, he has this affection for her. Like, it's really weird. It's like this love-hate relationship between both of them, but... It works. 
but that's you know that's also why I think uh, Manny probably was like you know I need more money like whether or not he was getting paid less than them I don't know they are the main girls mm-hmm. they're the main characters but he's like right behind mm-hmm. him like he's the guy that's there like uh, so maybe he just felt like that he deserved more because of the time he puts in for that character. Let's not forget about the men's skincare line that <laughs> Dean, Dean and Stan get sucked into. And they're still stuck with that. Like, like they're in this men's skincare cult yeah. with uh, the dude from, um, what was he in? I don't know, we looked it up, but he's a very familiar face. But the I big, think the in, biggest... he was in Clueless. Uh, yes. But the funny thing about him was... Uh, He's in this group with all these guys. Doing, they cycle together. And uh, they talk a big game. But then Dean goes to with him to his house. And his wife is just basically bossing him around. Berating him. And so it's almost like this guy is like a cuck. Like he's just not fighting back. And it's kind of funny to watch because he's, he's talked a bigger game outside of that, that house. Uh, eventually he does have his moment towards the end when he's like, you know, he destroys the kids xbox or whatever it was and then dumps the milk and the wife's just like her mouth open like and the kid's like okay how dare you yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he finally had a, a man moment there and got his shit done but uh it's just i there is so much that could have been you know we've got part of the crew in las vegas now we got the strip club up and running um you know they're still printing money so much is going on still with the uh, FBI and Secret Service. She's a councilwoman, or yes, a councilwoman now. Like, what else? Could, uh, there's so many stories. There's so much you could have done. I'm really sad, but I am holding out just a little bit because this has happened before with um, with shows. Last Man Standing is a good example. They got canceled, but after a couple of years, it got Lucifer, brought... Lucifer, same thing mm-hmm. happened there. And sometimes people, when they really like something, they petition for it to come back. So, you know, don't if there's enough people behind this series, which, you know, I would sign a petition because I do want at least one more s- season. Like, it would make sense. Uh, that's the problem with when you do a season like this and you're expecting to go into a fifth but then it just doesn't happen Mm -mm. like it leaves a lot of unanswered questions and yeah is beth gonna let annie hold the bag is beth gonna work with the secret service is she gonna take her councilwoman powers uh too high just like uh the brother cousin did is she still gonna work with rio uh dean decided to leave beth are they gonna reconcile is are things gonna get better for dean now that he was left holding the bag for beth the first time and he's got an ankle i mean yeah, a lot, a lot of the issues with uh, both uh, Ruby's husband and, and Dean is that they have kids involved. So both of them were like, you know, we can't be doing this anymore. We, we have to look after these kids. And, you know, you guys are doing your thing. We're trying to get out of it. You keep going back in. So Ruby's dilemma, of course, is she's got to stand by her friends because that's just how they are. And she's also involved in all of it. So she's like, yeah, I, I get that you know you're unhappy standing you want to leave etc etc but this is an involvement now it's not just like right it's like we have no no choice and it's not like none of the girls haven't helped the guys out like when dean went to prison it was best goal to get him out like that was the big thing like she felt bad that he took the blame for everything and so she was trying to get him out of that 
So if you haven't watched Good Girls, I know this may not sound like a super metal type topic, but it's a really well-written show. It is a good show. And it's, I mean, all the ladies are very beautiful and... It's funny, too. It's got funny. a lot of funny humor about it. Um, it's got some sexuality to it. Yeah, a lot of, lot of like, sex and sexual tension. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't even know how. We just stumbled on it and binge-watched it, and we were like, yeah, we gotta watch this. It's the best thing ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... I, 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 in conclusion of this little blurb, I'm sad. Like, I'm real sad about this not, I mean, I don't need a hundred more seasons, but I need, like, some kind of conclusion. An another example, this is not an another metal show either, but Gilmore Girls, um, they had seven seasons, and the they were planning for the seventh season to be the final season. Well, the original writer and producer left. So the seventh season was completely done by somebody new. I mean, you can work things out, I, I feel like, especially when you leave something on oh, yeah. such a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, I think that sort of happened with Firefly, too. Like, they did, like, five seasons, I think, and then despite not doing any more seasons, they ended up doing a movie, Serenity, which worked, you know, off of the series, so... Oh, and that's what they did with like with with Gilmore Girls Netflix. So this is could be Netflix. They could do do this. Right. Net Netflix after Gilmore Go Girls ended like ten years later, Netflix because they were looking at their streaming um, popularity of of Gilmore Girls and they were realizing that this is it, it's kind of like a cult favorite. The reason that Gilmore Girls was not like a super popular show when it was really airing during its time was it was airing at the same time as Friends yeah. on like a major network and Gilmore Girls was like a WB kind of like Supernatural kind of like so as Netflix was streaming it and maybe Netflix will see this too that the Good good Girls is a good high streaming number because we saw it was like number one for a while mm -hmm. um, they might try to bring everybody back and they did that with Gilmore Girls and did like a little mini season yeah, that's like really the key. Like they say, they don't have quite all the money, but if you can get enough people to back it, and you know someone come can come along who has money, and says, "Look, we'll throw in half a million dollars to help get this back up for another season." So you might Netflix get that. Seems to be doing that with a lot of stuff, though. Even independent mu movies, um, they'll start their own, like look, Stranger Things. Like yep. they. I um it, it's really interesting too because Netflix is uh, struggling a little bit right now, um, but I think like with the stock market everybody's kind of struggling. But they're um, the thing that I I think that's hurting them is they only offer like one tier pricing for streaming and stuff, and it's been raised in the last couple of years quite a lot. I mean it I think we had it for like $15 and now it's like $23 now and um, they're cutting back on sharing of passwords um, oh yeah yeah that's... so Netflix is kind of uh, struggling with Hulu because Hulu offers live TV also offers tiered pricing no ads or ads uh, they also offer like you know subscriptions to Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. They offer the sports package, whereas Netflix just gets the rights from these um, networks to to air their shows. And I think rumor has it that Netflix is thinking about 
starting a tiered subscription where if you want the lower price but it will include ads so they'll be able to sell advertising mm -hmm. to people like who that's our that's our hulu subscription we have the ads so if we're going to watch a tv show which we do quite a bit on hulu you're going to get the ads um but netflix never they never wanted to bombard their their consumers with advertising so they're starting to think about kind of doing a model like Hulu, drop the price a little bit, but you're going to have ads, or you can keep your higher tier price that we're paying and no ads. Yeah. So, All right. something to think about, guys. We, we highly recommend Good Girls, and if you have any input or any uh, information on what's going on with Netflix, I don't know if any of you are Netflix uh, insiders, <laughs> so you can give us the, the scoop. I, um, I do hope that maybe Netflix steps in because it, this has been airing on Netflix now for a while and mm -hmm. maybe we'll get the we'll get what we need. We hope. All right, well in the next two blocks of music got some new stuff from Anti Creation, Worm Rot, some stuff from Hard Life Promotion Patronus. Guess where that was taken from? <laughs> like Harry Expecto Patronus. <laughs> Necrotic Records got first I got Four tracks from them today, I think. So the first one, we got some disemboweled rotting cadaver in there. But here's some brand new stuff from Spire of Lazarus, Two Thrones. <laughs>
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook, search Metal Tavern Radio, and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Caffrey. They woke up one morning. One morning they wake up at 5 in the morning. They were younger. They, I don't know how old they were, but they were younger. Like, I don't trust dads who know exactly how old their kids are. If you're talking to a dad, he's like, 16 months today, he better be married to another dad. <laughs> and that's, I don't mean that homophobic. I'm not homophobic at all. I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not. I'm more like a homochondriac. <laughs> like, I'm comfortable if you're gay. I'm comfortable with your lifestyle. I'm just afraid one night you'll get me drunk and trick me into it. <laughs> And I'll like it. <laughs> That's my fear. <laughs> I'll like it and I'll be good at it. Light him up. So I saw a gay porn once for like 45 minutes. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Holy shit. Ladies, you gotta step up your blowjob game. Yeah, you're still playing JV basketball, and the gay guys are the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, dunking on cocks. Holding their own head. Fuck this face, son! (laughs) The fuck are we talking about? I'm literally, how did I get off on this gay rant? The fucking... Oh, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. Gay guy shugging cock. Oh, my daughters. Okay, here we go. This will work.
those two blocks of great metal that was pretty great and uh we're getting ready to jump into our rock block for today and we've got some akoa from grand sounds promotions brand new stuff from charlie griffiths 
Stuff from Hard Life Promotions called Sister May. I had a band called Accused send me a track. Uh, although it's like A-C-C-V-S-E-D. So I don't know if it changes the way you pronounce it or not. But it's supposed to be Accused. Uh, then we have uh, Dead Soul Revival kicking it off. But we also have Neko's Pick of the Week in there. So let's get the, the party rocking, man. Like 80s style. You're making me laugh. <laughs> I, um, I'm trying to think because I know what my pick of the week is and it's, you know, I love the band just period, but I'm, I, I think it's from all, also it was in one of my favorite comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's I, either that one or the other one that we've played before just, you know, in general. Um, but I, I think it is this one, I think. But, uh, yeah, so we'll get to it. Uh, here's Dead Soul Revival, Down for the Last Time.
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio.
Griffiths digging deeper. Brand new stuff from him. Now getting ready to go into the rock block. We're in the rock block. You mean with Neko's pick. Yes. Yeah, that's what you meant. That's right? what I meant. That's it. That's it. Said the words. Said the words. Neko's pick of the week. I had one beer. That's it. Yes, I know. So, I uh, I think, <clears throat> I think I've outlined this before with my picks of the week. Um, I start by like just kind of making lists of things that I like. And sometimes, like, earlier on in our earlier episodes, like, they all had some kind of special story, blah, blah, blah. Not, it, it doesn't always have to have a special story. No, or, I think a lot of times, it's like anything else, it's like your favorites. You know, yeah, that's kind of what it is. So this is a favorite. And, um... But it does have a little bit of meaning because of yeah. <laughs> so, what you're going to say. So this is a, this is a, a favorite band and a, a favorite song, and the song, um... Is, or the band is Blue Oyster Cult, and the song is Burning For You. It came out in 81, and it was the lead single from Fire of Unknown Origin. What's interesting about this is the song hit number one, and it spent three weeks in the top 40, and it was really because it was an early MTV music video, so that's what really kind of propelled it, I think. Um, you know, people who had cable back then, it wasn't as many people as now, where there's YouTube, a thousand streaming services, you you know, you have Pandora on your phone. MTV was, was revolutionary because it was the first time that all you were gonna do is sit in front of the TV and have music provided to you. It right. just, it just, I mean, there was, Back in the day, they had, like, American Bandstand and Soul Train, and they would have, like, variety shows where you would see bands or hear music, and people loved it, but that was, like, maybe an hour a week. This is 24 hours a day, nothing but music, and, you know, Blue Oyster Cult really took advantage of that, and it really did help them hit number one. Funny thing is, this is the only number one that Blue Oyster Cult ever had, and I... I mean, it had a great reception. I, I think, too, it was just interesting because when was MTV launched? It was in 81. 80 or 81. Yeah. yeah. So I really feel like when you think of these 70s into 80s bands, like they're, you know, now, like Chicago, like was in the 70s and it's moving into the 80s. They're uh, commercializing themselves a little bit too, and it's helping their sales. This was this song. Um, I feel like everybody has heard it before. It's been in commercials. It's, mm-hmm. been, it's been in lots of movies, like mm-hmm. one of my favorites, Joe Dirt. And if you've never seen Joe Dirt, I understand. It's it's a little it's a silly movie, but it, it's just a movie that I love. It's and a great comedy. It is a great comedy. And I was looking at the. The uh, soundtrack. That's what I was just getting ready to say. I mean, you got you got Leonard Skinner, Argent, Sheriff, George Thorogood, Joe Walsh, B.O.C., uh, Bachman, Turner Overdrive, Ted Nugent, the Doobie Brothers, as well as Cheap Trick. I mean, there's a lot of great mm-hmm. music in there. So it and music played a big <clears throat> part of mm-hmm. Joe Dirt's like lifestyle, and it, it played like a nice background of the story. And honestly. When I hear this song, this is literally all I'm thinking about is Joe Dirt. And 
you know, it just brings a smile to my face. You you like this band. I mean, there's lots of songs by Blue Oyster Cult that you and I like. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the 70s, so I heard Don't Fear the Reaper and, of course, Godzilla, which, you know, has always been one of my favorite because, of course, I'm a Godzilla, Godzilla fan. Godzilla, so Godzilla, the Godzilla. fact that a band made a song off of that was great. And, of course, in the 80s, M.O.D. did Godzilla, <laughs> which was kind of poking fun at stuff like that, but... And then you have Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, and that track is legendary. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, so it, was, it was immortalized on Saturday Night Live. Like, right, so it's like, I don't, you know, it's strange that Burn It For You was actually their only number one, like, when you really think about it. Now, BOC was basically one of those, I don't want to say totally prog rock, but they did have, they weren't just like straightforward like Zeppelin or uh, Sabbath or anything like that. So they were kind of doing different things. So that's one reason why Crash likes them mm-hmm. a lot. But uh, some of the songs like Burn For You, they are a little more straightforward. But you're just it's kind of surprising like a song like Don't Fear The Reaper never made it to number one. Because it's like such a classic tune. Like when you think of Blue Oyster Cult, it's actually that tune you think of more than even any of the other ones. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, Don't Fear the Reaper came out in 76. Mm-hmm. And I think, like uh, like that article I was just uh, quoting, because Burning For You was in the early 80s and it really was during the MTV takeoff, I think that helped propel it, the popularity of the song. Because, you know, we've, we've seen... Oh, there's that one... I, I hate my brain sometimes. There's that one... Uh, documentary I want us to watch about the um, how corporate took over the local uh, radio stations and all but that like back in the day you know the 70s 80s and 90s um, you got your airplay these were independently owned stations and uh, anything that happened helped in the 80s I mean we we saw the birth of these super bands you've got to think of these arena cover like how many gigantic bands that we still think of now like Def Leppard uh they were born out of the 80s because they had MTV they had these promotions and stuff that- yeah I mean when I saw Blue to called at that doom fest a couple of years ago uh that was a small club but these guys used to pack arenas mm-hmm. in the 70s so or even the early 80s, so, like, that's, you know, and even now, like, Motley Crue, even though Motley Crue is probably packing arenas, it's because they're kind of... It was that time, though, when they were being brought up, you you have these survivors of these, the the arena era, like, nowadays, and there's so many bands out there, it just doesn't happen the same way, I feel like, in the 80s it did, and Not I... Not unless you're, like, that mainstream rock, like, Coldplay and them, like, even then, like, you could be playing mainstream rock, but it's harder to get noticed, even with so many, much more technology and so many more avenues to explore, it's not as easy, and I feel like the 80s, just the love of the music and the ability, like, MTV played everything, too. They were not, like, just rock. They played rap. They played rock. They played R&B. Not enough rap, though, because Dave Bowie was pissed off about that shit. <laughs> but they had UMTV raps, and as it grew on, you know, hip-hop got... Now, of course, the 90s, they kind of 
flipped it. You know, Alternative Rock took over, but then you still have... There's uh, a big influence of new hip-hop artists yeah. and stuff like Biggie Smalls and yeah. Snoop and Dr. Dre. So, my point being, this this MTV influence, I feel like, really propelled some of these bands that now, in 2022, 40 years later, they're still relevant. Mm -hmm. And people can still you know, pop on their Pandora or, or their Spotify or whatever service that they're using and enjoy the music, even if maybe they have, they were born in 2000 and now they're only 22 and they're like, hmm, I want to check out some new music. I like rock music and it just kind of pops up. I, I feel sometimes there, again, there's technology is wonderful and we're able to do this because of technology. But we are like a small grain of rice compared to the thousands and thousands and thousands of podcasts that are out there. And I, I think that part of us, our, part of our, our mission is we take these smaller um, PR labels and smaller bands that they send us that are really good and we do everything we can just to get their name out there a couple of times. And Yeah, it kind of reminds me, and it's, it's a lot of topic but it, it reminds me of a situation there's a a young woman on youtube who does reaction videos to rock and metal songs uh she's very good um i enjoy her stuff but like i feel bad in some ways because she spends a lot of time with like tool corn slipknot ramstein stuff like that which is fine uh but someone who's been kind of like she's been kind of focusing on metal and stuff like she did painkiller and stuff mm -hmm. like that but i'm like saying to myself like man there's so much stuff you're missing like you need to expand your reactions and expand your your catalog of stuff because it's all fine to do a bunch of corn videos but you know people know these bands mm -hmm. like they in the as far as like our metal people we know this you and i what makes me so proud about this podcast is that yeah, Bluester Cult's known, but not really to a lot of younger people. Younger people may know by name, but they not always hear or not even recognize the or song. Or they just know the skit from Saturday Night Live. Right, but every podcast we do has so many different bands. Like, even if we have some familiar names, we have a lot of names that nobody knows mm -hmm. about. And I'm really proud to be able to say that, hey, we think outside the box. We, we bring you different bands that are trying to, like, get noticed. We're bringing you bands that want to be heard. And, uh, you know, that, that to me is what makes me the most proud is because I can't go anywhere else, literally can't go anywhere else and find what we're doing. I mean, I'm sure there are other podcasts or YouTube channels that are doing similar stuff, but they don't, like, even as much as I love Crypto Mental Mania, they focus mainly on thrash and death metal. That's his thing. Which mm, that's he, his thing. Yeah, and he we, admits that, and I'm fine with that. We try to like broaden our horizons. As right. Much as We're possible. bringing you just everything. So, whether or not you love or hate our podcast, we try to just do a little bit of everything because there's just so much stuff out there, and there's there's bands that you may. I find more nowadays like some diehard metalheads are like, yeah, I'm into some of this other rock, you know, this stuff you've been playing, and you know, I've been checking out some of this stuff. So. That's really what it's all about for us. If we can bring you at least one band that you've never heard that you're like, oh, I'm going to probably buy that record because I really like that song. Well, 
that's what we want to do. That's the whole point of that's this. That's exactly what we want to do. So we're really hoping. So it's not that we don't love all the mainstream stuff like corn and all that. It's we just do. we just really enjoy opening up the whole thing and just kind of like throwing a whole big mishmash of uh, stuff out there for people to check out. And that's the that's the fun part about it. And we've we've met so many nice people through um, you know checking out their bands. Um, Especially if they're not too far away, we can go check out their bands when they play live. Um, I don't know how many times like we've gone to battle the bands or just to a small club to support other bands that are local to us, and we, you know, we love seeing their success when they they have a tour or something. I um, I honestly like for for this like again with the rock block. I, I just start brainstorming things that I like. And mm -hmm. when I start brainstorming what I like, and I, like I was doing research on the song Burning For You, it all just started because I remembered like the scene in, in Joe Dirt. And then I, you start thinking about, oh, wow, this is how maybe Burning For You kind of became a more commercial success because of MTV. And then you start thinking now, we don't have MTV. Like it was, it was so revolutionary back in the 80s and I don't think this is going to sound crazy in the late 90s when Napster was a big thing I think that was like the next level of this is going to be the future you're just going to be sharing stuff and we that's what we do and you know what's funny is maybe sort of indirectly uh, the fact that by the time mid-90s came about when MTV started going more towards reality TV. They saw the writing and they know what people wanted. So whoever created Napster might have been like, I can't find music anymore. I'm just going to start mm -hmm. opening up a, a server and putting shit up so people can hear it. It's like, you know, you and I are probably both the same way with the 80s and stuff. That's how you lived. That's how you discovered bands. Like Bands like Rail, like, they barely got a lot of pub now granted when they finally did in the early 80s they were one of the first like hair bands that i saw get uh a video up um and even though they were notorious in the area they grew up in as far as the scene uh they never went on to have success like rat or motley crew or van halen so uh that's again that's one of those things where you see one of these bands like that song just sticks with you so i'm like wow I went and got the EP, and I, you know, I lost it eventually because someone stole it. But you found it through another source where it was on CD, along with the other album. There. Oh yeah, that's right. And that was a tough one to find. Yeah, and so that's that's one of those things. Like I found so many bands at that time through MTV that normally you wouldn't even discover. And even strangely enough, uh, I've told this story before in the early '90s. Uh, when I didn't have cable, I was watching just regular TV, but UHF was a station with mm -hmm. it. And that's how I discovered uh, three different bands at that time. It was King's X, uh, Napalm Death, Suffer the Children was the video I saw, and then uh, Smashing Pumpkins with something from the Gish album. And I was like, wow, I liked all three of them. They're all three different. So it, it just opened. That was kind of fun. But now they don't really do that. Now, you do have stuff like VH1 kind of going back and doing the 80s stuff, but, you know, people are kind of beyond that now with the Internet. Like you said, once that took off, it kind of left everything else behind. YouTube allows you to go and search anything. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing now that I um, I actually just read an article, um, they're trying to gear, because Facebook 
believe it or not, is very old. You don't think about it because, but I've been on Facebook since like the early 2000s when they weren't letting just anybody on Facebook. You had to have a college email address. So I like just graduated college, but I still had my college email address, and that's how I was able to get a Facebook account. And I don't know, like in 2005, I think. And um, that's really sad that I've been on Facebook that long. But that's how long it's been. Yeah, I think you were the one that told me about it. You're like, yeah, you know, Facebook is this new networking, uh, social networking. I'm like, I wasn't really interested at first because I was still in MySpace at that point. And MySpace imploded. Yeah, that became like the problem for that was obviously the the games. They were just taking over everything. That's all it was. Yeah, they were just spamming you with games and it, it wasn't even social networking. And by the time anymore. that guy got his shit together, he was left in the dust. Facebook had just pretty much destroyed him at that point. So what, what I've been found though with Facebook, which is now meta, um, TikTok is the hot thing for people right now. That's why on Facebook and Instagram, Meta owns Facebook and Instagram, the reels have kind of been popular. That's because that's literally all TikTok is, are reels. Right. So what they're doing is instead of like back in the day, Facebook used to just be in the order of what your friends posted and you would just see what your friends posted. Now, Facebook, with their algorithm and Instagram, are learning your interests based off of like things you click on or reels that you watch. And what they'll start doing is just randomly putting other things into your reels or into your newsfeed. What makes that interesting for bands is possibly if you are watching reels of people at concerts or um, like let's say for Maryland Death Fest, you know, I'm going through reels. People I don't know who attended Maryland Death Fest, more of their reels will start popping up. Mm-hmm. Which, so as I discover a girl getting fucked in a pit. Well, that was really gross. But, <laughs> um, well, my point being, if you're kind of on your TikTok and you just click in the search bar like um, death metal, it's going to gear to, or like maybe you wanted to see like a napalm death reel or whatever. It'll pop up, but as you're scrolling, it's going to start just learning what you're interested in. And that's now how kids, I say kids, but like the, the 20 and under crew are really like, I, I have a TikTok. I don't even have it on my phone anymore. I just kind of uninstalled it because it was something that I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. That or Snapchat, I just don't I couldn't about. figure out Snapchat either. That's showing I'm my barely age. on Instagram anymore, even though now I have to kind of make an effort. <laughs> you do have to make an effort. But the, the interesting thing is now with social media, they're trying to um, fill in the gaps just by using your interests. So let's just take Blue Oyster Cult you throw in some blue oyster cult on your TikTok or your instagram reels because you know the things that i look at, at on instagram is cats rabbits random shit i find so many random um stories about animals and stuff just because it knows what i'm looking at a little scary that it's you know tracking your algorithm but that's kind of what but it does serve a purpose because it, it, it kind of started with stuff like Pandora or Spotify. Like, you would make playlists, and based upon your taste, it would cater to that. And so it would be throwing ideas of bands at you. So uh, if you were into Rush, 
so to speak, mm -hmm. or, you know, so if you're in a rush, which is a progressive rock band, it might throw ideas like Camel or Gentle Giant at you, and there's, or uh, even Yes and stuff like that. So the whole classic rock thing, so Blue Oyster Cold would probably get mixed in there as well. And that, that was the purpose. It is scary, but at the same time, it does have a good purpose, depending on what your tastes are. Because you really don't... One of the things you always hated about Facebook was you'd be going in your feed and you'd be seeing shit that's being advertised. That, one, you probably don't click to advertise it anyway, but two, why do you want to look at fucking Bleach or some crazy shit that has no interest for you? And now it's like I see like stuff that even though I don't click on, it's it's like cool stuff like you know, Viking shirts and, you know, just stuff that <laughs> kind of, like, would interest me anyway in terms of looks and keychains and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty good. But uh, So, uh, I know we went off a little on a tangent, but I, I felt it was important to, um, to highlight how Burning For You really kind of got a little bit more commercial airplay just because with the advent of MTV. Mm -hmm. I'm going to one last thing because it's going to kind of relate to what happens now on the internet you know justin bieber was on youtube and he was just singing and playing the piano and stuff as a kid and that's how he really you know somebody took notice he was a guest on american idol singing a song and you see what he's doing now he so Didn't lady gaga do it similarly lady gaga worked yes she worked really hard she had a youtube she was even doing like reality tv like um, game shows and stuff but as soon as she had her opportunity that's where she was really trying to shine and I I mean like again nobody it, it takes hard work in music just like it takes hard work in any job so for being a musician Audio jump. attention please Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, Audio Jump. Let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Okay, we're uh, back. <laughs> Okie dokie. So yesterday we actually had this particular topic was like just editing today because we binge watched it yesterday just out of nowhere. It was just really curious. We were um, looking for something to watch and it popped up on Netflix. Oh, hey Miss Kitty. Here, be quiet so you can get her make a noise again. That is our cat, Miss Kitty. She's about 19 or People 20. People probably heard her before. She can be very vocal, but it's like a weird meow. She just doesn't meow. She's like... Rah! But she's she's a doll. We've had her for a really long time. She's lived a really good life, and now she's probably begging Daddy for some food. That's more likely. She's sharking. We, um, so, back to the um, the documentary. It was called... The most hated man on the internet. And it's something, this is how sad I am. I knew nothing about this. I didn't know anything about this person, this website they were talking about, nothing. So it was really kind of eye opening. Christ, I could have been on there and I wouldn't have even known. So um, the it starts out where um, they're talking about, what was the name of the website? Damn it. Um, what are you asking? The name of the website that Hunter Moore oh, uh, started. Areyouup.com. Or yeah, is, is anyoneup.com. That was it, yeah. So it started in 2010, and it was, I guess, maybe like until 2012. Hunter Moore started it, and literally it was just a site known for posted posting naked pictures of people. But the, instead of just posting naked pictures anonymously, what they would do is they would post the naked pictures... And then he would go a step further and link their Facebook accounts so that people could, like, harass them in real life. And um, a lot of these pictures were obtained not from the, the person in the picture. Like, these people were not uploading their naked pictures. We were finding it was um, old boyfriends or there was an elaborate hacking scheme going on that they would hack into people's emails and stuff where uh, some of these girls are like, I, um, I've never sent this to anyone. Or there was another girl where... Yeah, one of the biggest problems here with this particular... You know, if you took a website and you threw up a bunch of pretty girls or guys, you know, and just had pictures, that's one thing. But what Hunter was doing was he was basically... Putting your picture up as well as the address and your, your your personal social media information next to it. So, like, this way people could actually hunt you down on social media and, like, yeah, either harass you or, you know, hit you up. Because it wasn't just social media. Like, the phone, you know, phone numbers, stuff like that. And it, it was funny what, you know, we think about the last five or ten years regarding cyberbullying and harassment and stuff that it's hard to imagine at the time that this happened that it took him a while it took him about three or four years to take him down like altogether like because at the time police were like 
well, legally he can have the site. Uh, we have to find something that he's done illegally, which I, the only thing they could find was the hacking, which was good. Uh, but then what was really most interesting about this doc was uh, Kayla's mother, who was like one of the main people behind the driving force to take Hunter down, uh, she just kept at it. Like she, even when they finally got Kayla's picture down, she just continued to go after Hunter because she had talked with a lot of other victims uh, of this website. And there was another guy, I can't remember his name, but he was a hacker. And initially, Hunter had actually asked him to like advertise on his site. And when he went to go research the site... Oh, the Marine. Yeah. Um, and he was very James. disgusted about what the site was about. So he was... And he had an anti-bullying site. Right. So he was going to spend his time uh, trying to take Hunter down as well, just through different means. He was going to sort of go undercover and uh, try to get whatever he could and find a way to take... And finally, when Hunter felt the pressure from you know the media and... Uh, the law enforcement or whatever uh, this guy this marine he's like well look you sell me this site for like 12 grand or whatever and he was he was kind of like playing with him right because he he's like this guy doesn't know much about you know websites or anything and, and this marine uh, his name James something he he's he said you know he went right into cybersecurity and he had like his own company so he really knew what he was doing and he was telling um hunter you know you've got underage kids on there she says she's 19 but she's really 15 or this and he's like you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble so he i think after the anderson cooper um interview, yeah. interview is when he actually started panicking a little bit and that's when he agreed and he also agreed to write a um, apology letter, which they put on the anti anti bullying site on the front page. So if you went to, you know, is anybody up? It would redirect to the anti bullying site. Bullyville or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, of course Hunter, you know, the, the problem with this guy, and he's a real piece of shit. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say it as it is. Not just because of what he did, but if you watch his demeanor through all this, like he's the kind, he's a typical keyboard warrior. Whenever he had to like go on these shows and interviews, he, you know, he he was very uh, scaled back and kind of shy in some in some takes. Uh, then when he was, I forgot, it wasn't Anderson. It was another interview he'd done where he was confronted by. It was a Dr. Phil, maybe. Or somebody along that line. Yeah, but I think He was so. confronted by a couple of women. Or Jerry Spring. I don't know. It was somebody of that ilk, you know. Uh, he was confronted, and he didn't have a lot to say. But, you know, he, he after the interview, he was like, well, yeah, they just edited and clipped me out the stuff that I had to say. And, and then he tried to blame media. But then, like, you know, after he'd made the apology on Bullyville... He immediately turned around and said, "Well, I'm just just trolling him. I wasn't really serious." And he was he's was planning to start another one. another site, but and he said he was be... going to be worse. He's going to have maps to people's houses, yeah. and he's like, "I'm really going to stick it to him," kind of thing. And he his he faked his remorse, and um, he got really mad because Charlotte, the uh, mom of Kayla, was really coming after him. 
I mean, she went to the police and the FBI, and when she finally, like, really raised the, the uh, flags to the FBI and said, you know, I believe my daughter, she said she was hacked. She said she took this picture and emailed it to herself because she had no more space on her phone. So they started actually looking into her daughter's email and realized, yeah, we can tell that she was hacked. So um, the mom, she started cross-referencing all these women who were on the site and they were, you know, asking for the pictures to be taken down and asking, you know, do you know anybody who has these photos? Do you think that maybe you were hacked? And it, it, the one girl, what was really, really interesting is she, um, she said she had sent some sexy photos to an ex. And he swore up and down. He's like, I definitely did, did not, did do, not do this. I, I wouldn't do that to you. I know you have your new life, you know, back in, you know, your small town. I would never, ever do that to you. And then she, at first she was just kind of like, maybe he did. Um, when Charlotte reached out to her saying, is there a possibility that you might be hacked? And then they got her information to the FBI. They saw that the same email, email that was cloned in Kayla's. So they started cross-referencing to this particular email address. It is bizarre how they just started, you know, dotting the lines. And the sad thing is they were working so hard to do the hacking um conviction because it's the only thing that technically was illegal like as long as the girls were over 18 regardless that was not illegal posting something without someone's consent back then nowadays it is and charlotte is one of the people who has really you know the bullying and all has worked hard to get these laws pushed forward so i kind of dug into um where is hunter moore now and he went to jail and he got out in 2017 he was actually arrested on charges of conspiracy unauthorized access to a protected computer aka yeah, hacking, I think he pled guilty and aggravated identity theft and he got reduced charges and was sentenced to two and a half years after he got out, um, he um, has kind of been nowhere. He wrote a he wrote a book in 2018, self-published. To it's a tell-all book called "Is Anyone Up: The Story of Revenge Porn," and um, I think probably this documentary is people are going to realize that he wrote this and they're going to want to read the book. The interesting thing though, um, he was actually asked to be part of the documentary and he agreed, but then backed Change out it. of it. Yeah. He, um, he's not allowed to have social media. He's allowed to have Twitter, but he's not, he's been banned from Facebook. Um, so he just is kind of, I looked on his Twitter. He only has like 5,000 followers when he had like, his whole group of people were called the family. Yeah, and it, was, it was really scary. The it cult was like a every, cult. Yeah. And he would, like, when he was posting things on Twitter, he, he had thousands and thousands, like almost a million followers at one point. And um, he would tell people to, like, punch yourself in the face and send me videos. And people just worshipped him, and they thought that what he was doing was hysterical.
like absolutely hysterical and when um you know he was young and immature and a dick with no remorse so he was really pulling from that scene kid kind of group and they they loved him and i mean they were basically just saying like he tried to after his site was pulled down in 2012 he was kind of going around to clubs and DJing and having girls snort cocaine off his penis I mean it was just getting so crazy well it was it was clear he didn't have any respect for women in general like even his girlfriend who was with him for a few years uh, allowed him to do all this crazy shit and it's like you know, clearly she didn't have much self-respect for herself. And then it wasn't until really the end that she kind of realized, my God, what was I doing? Like, I was ignoring... Because she's... I guess she'd gone She was very young when she met him. And, oh, that's right at the end. So she... at, at After she had um, broken up with Hunter... And this is this happened to me and it happened to um, a friend of mine as well where... You know how Facebook messages, if you're not connected with someone or if you don't have, like, friends of friends connected, it'll kind of go into that weird inbox. And um, for me, it was someone, I mean, it was someone messaging me for years, like, and then when I finally kind of took a peek in that and I was like, oh, my God, okay. And then the same thing with my girlfriend, her, she was getting messages and she, when she finally looked into that thing... And saw that there was messages that, you know, really kind of... Now, for the hot take or the questionable stance that I'm going to have, uh, in no way am I defending Hunter Moore, but one of the things that got brought up, and it, it was used against a lot of the victims, which was wrong, but one thing that I've always been kind of, like, very negative about is young people or even older people doing selfies of nudes and stuff and putting them on their phone. And this was the beginning of the smartphone. Remember, I've had, I have had an iPhone since it came out. So like 2007, 2008, I've had, and a lot of people didn't have them until, I mean, you were like 2011, 2012. And around this time, it was people who were getting the sidekicks, the, the iPhones, like the random you know, knock off before Android really, or Samsung really started putting phones out there. And, um, nobody, nobody really back then realized where these photos could go more than anything. And P and the one guy who was in the band he, and he, he, yeah, he had a friend send it to him. Like, yeah, his friend sent naked pictures of him and put it on the site. Cause it was supposed to be a joke, but he's like, you know, I had my sidekick and I, you know, what do you do when you're 20 years old? You take naked pictures of yourself and then they end up on, is any, is anybody up? And that's, it's kind of a lesson that I think a lot of young kids now too should learn that. Well, the only thing I took issue with is that, you know, in the doc, you know, they kept saying, well, my daughter shouldn't have to worry about being hacked or she should be able to take pictures of herself in her own. That's true. No one's debating that. Uh, it's not a question of whether you have the right to do anything. The question is, should you be doing that? We saw this probably about four or five years ago when 
Jennifer Lawrence's phone got hacked and she had like some pictures of her in the tub that she was sending to her boyfriend at the time. Uh, again, it's not that Lawrence can't do that or that it's, she doesn't have the right to do that. The question is, you know there are just bad people out there like Connor Moore. And so why even take the risk? And unless you're someone who's savvy with like, you know, uh, you've got like a hundred percent encrypted. Right. Uh, like, like if you, yeah, if you were, if someone is very savvy with electronics and technology, then maybe you can take those risks. But like, I just, too many young people are really doing that. And granted now we have laws that are against stuff like that because of this whole Hunter Moore thing. So that's good. But uh, I, I would still tell people just don't even take the risk because we still see Emma Watson still gets hacked all the time. <laughs> and it's like, even though she doesn't, I mean, I think the late, latest was Emma Watson was actually topless on a beach, which was a topless beach. So technically, she's there where you can be topless. But again, someone hacked her phone. And now they phone. can all look at it anytime they want. Right. So it's like, you know, look, just... That I'm not going to be too worried about because she's supposed to be expecting privacy there, but in her own home, you know, like, just don't do it. Like, you know, just tell your guy, like, look, uh, it, we'll figure something else out because you got to do long-distance shit. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I've sent some pictures to DJ Anubis and watch it end up on the new is anything up there. I, uh, not completely, but, you know, just sexy pictures. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be on. Is it, is anybody up? And they're gonna be like, oh, look at that fat fuck. And I'll be like, fuck, man, fuck you. But <laughs> at least you got my good side. Yeah, you got my good side. <laughs> I, I that does kind of scare me because I don't usually do that. Like I'm not a sexy picture sender, and I just was sending him some. You know, I'm not always home. I was sending something, you know, fun, kind of like, and I. I mean, I never really do it, but ever since I did that two years ago, I'm, I'm worried somebody's going to hack my phone, hack... I, I deleted it off of everything. It's not on my phone anymore. It's not in, like, my Google Photos. It's not backed up. But if those pictures ever surfaced, you know one of us has been hacked because we're the only two people who had those pictures. And, you know, if someone... Just, just imagine if someone messaged you and said this your woman and it's me in my cute outfit and you'd be like huh yep we've been hacked like because we know i know he isn't sharing it and he's the only person that i sent it to so you definitely so anyway the i think my favorite thing um besides the marine james was the fact that after he got wind of hunter moore starting up this second website james said he has some friends in the group anonymous and oh, he passed great. it on to anonymous like what was happening yeah and he's like i'm not saying i agree with what they did because what they did really is illegal like taking down his servers and ruining yeah i'm not gonna get it dance around i mean anonymous they can be a dangerous bunch um However, they generally spend most of their time taking down bad people and doing illegal things to do it. Like, there's really not anybody on this planet that's going to feel bad for Hunter Moore for what Anonymous did to him. They literally, they, they made him dead. Like, he was dead in California. They, just, 
They stripped his social security number. They took down the site, deleted everything. Canceled his passport. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they fucked him royally, and like, uh, good for them. Like that's that's what you kind of want. I mean, it's a shady way to get there, but when the law can't touch these guys, sometimes you gotta think outside the box. And uh, you know, I, I will always support anonymous because they have the means to do things that get things done like it's it's sad that we have to say that but you know laws kind of hold us back sometimes with guys like hunter moore mm -hmm. so you kind of have to go other means and and really what was happening was with this guy this what james was his name or? yeah james i i, I just closed it I, I that's all right but he uh he was getting threats to his family over this because like once it came out because like once he bought uh are you up and, and transferred over to Bullyville because that's where the link would go. So he literally took that site down and, and sent the link to his anti-bullying site. And uh, Hunter was really pissed about that. So obviously Hunter would send threats to everybody, even Kayla's mom and everybody else, like, you know, don't fuck with me. Uh, it, it just became, like, for a guy that supposedly was just trolling people, it just became so malicious and uh serious for him mm -hmm. uh when he first had his website if there was a picture up there he had the option for people to ask to be taken down so then when they actually tried to do that early on in fact he's actually the idiot because when kayla and her mom uh first sent the request to have her shit taken down if he had taken it down, she probably would not have even pursued that mm -hmm. shit. She would have dug in so deep. She would have been like, okay, so I did put it in and... Um, it got taken it down. It got taken down, so they're honoring their word. Right. But some of these people even knew Hunter. And they would be like, man, can you please take this down? And he respond, LOL. Like, right. Yeah, that's the thing. It became a big joke. And it's like, dude, you can't be taken seriously at this point. And then he would double down and... Say, yeah, it's about just, like, fucking with people. I'm like, well, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Like, And we learned that he would have uh, hundreds of thousands of visitors a day. And he was selling ad revenue. So his monthly ad revenue alone, like, just his ad revenue, was up around $18,000 a month from the ads that he sold on his website. Which, ironically, is how James met up with Hunter because... Hunter was speaking with James, the Marine, if he would like to advertise his business on the site. And that's when James, like, did a little research on the site and was like, hell no. But it was really crazy because he, he knew that if he would start taking things down and people saw that he was taking things down, he wouldn't be, like, taken seriously by his little cult. And people couldn't stop making fun of things. So he, it was money to him that he wanted to keep people coming back and coming back to his site. And um, so when when you're realizing that this guy is, is uh, capitalizing on the misery of other people, then you, you really kind of get pissed off. The other thing was Butthole Girl, which was crazy. So this yeah, he basically blackmailed her to keep doing stuff because in order to in, in well, order she, to get stuff taken down. She honestly, yeah, to take it down. She her her biggest thing wasn't she wasn't so worried that she was on there. 
she was worried because he had linked her her Facebook and there were pictures of her kids. Right. So she was at, begging him basically like just black out my kids. Like that's really all she wanted. And he wouldn't do it, and but then she goes, it. "Look, I'll put more content for you and you can ask for anything to put stick up my, up my ass." Butthole. Yeah, and that's how Butthole Girl was born. And at one point she was doing a private chat with him and he was telling her to put a cell phone up her ass and he was screenshotting everything she did and recording it and he eventually sold that video to another site and butthole girl got zero dollars of that so he this is this isn't just about you know he he had the ego but it was about money too Mm -hmm. and the if let's let me get out my calculator the site was supposedly up i believe for 18 months and then you multiply that by 18,000 so alone in ad revenue that's $324,000 in 18 months it could have been more some months especially as he's popular and he's all he was always tweeting all kinds of bullshit and he had these followers who would um he was getting paid for appearances so it was about the ego and the money and he didn't want that to go away so anything that threatened that he just was it was like fuel to him if it, if it threatened it he would just like you said double down until it turned into something where he could get in trouble and that was that was when it kind of like crash and burn for him yeah so this was just it's a very good doc and you know there's some complaints out there that it didn't dive much more into like the grander scale of what it meant but i think at this point within the last 10 years people have a good idea how far we've come in terms of harassment and and taking photos Mm -hmm. of people harassment using people's images without their i mean you and i we're you know we're not really politically correct and so that's kind of like why I say, like, you know, some accountability is on these people that are not using their head. And I know it's, you know, I'm not blaming them for what he did because this dude's a piece of shit. But you got to kind of use common sense. And even now, like I said, even if you have some of the best technology out there, if you're computer savvy, you don't want to be doing stuff that's going to put you at risk because this kind of shit can happen to anybody and it sucks. I mean, I hear all the time from people about their identities being stolen. Or while I was out on a ship, literally not using my credit card or my bank card, yep. it got compromised. Yep. I had not used it, but somehow someone got my bank card and I'm usually very careful. Um, that's just how easy. There are people out there like Hunter that just, that's all they do. They spend time trying to hack people to get information. For their own personal gain. Now, right now, like, I really don't even like phones because even though you and I are pretty much protected on the computers, the phones are a liability. <laughs> so I don't even do any of my accounting stuff on the phone because I just, I'm too fearful. Yeah, and I, I most of the stuff that I do that is accounting or um, or, like, paying bills and stuff... It's on my work computer, which has, like, even more security right. because we've got, like... They have to have that. So, that's why when when something happens, it just surprises me because I'm like, dude, how is it that I'm out in the middle of the Indian Ocean and my credit card and my bank card that I haven't used, it has been compromised? I had it happen the other day, man. Someone got into an Apple account, I guess I had, and... 
started uh, charging shit up. I had to like stop work, call these people and wait online for them to come and answer so I can get that sorted. And I did. That's great about my bank and everything, but it's just an annoyance. Like, I just don't like dealing with it. I hate when that shit happens. And it's like, I'm like, I don't even have, I mean, I have an Apple account, but I don't ever use it. I never use it to download anything. So, the way it happened, I'm like, nope, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we, it, I guess the moral of this story, especially for anybody who's young, I know we were talking about TikTok. So she's common sense, like. Yeah, be careful if you're sending selfies to people because it could be used in a terrible way against you. Um, I mean, if you're going to do any selfies, just stay clothed. <laughs> Don't do anything crazy. Well, that that's what I mean. I mean, everybody has the right to send naked selfies if you're over the age of 18 and you're consenting adults. I would, I'd still recommend they don't do it. Like, I'm, I, I get... I'm not saying, I know you recommend it, but it is legal to do right, that. Right, right, right. And yeah. if they choose to do that, but just realize if it's simple enough for someone to get into your bank account or mm-hmm. your old Apple account or something that you just imagine if it's some- even worse than that now i think because one thing they didn't even address in this and this is another reason why hunter's a real piece of shit is mm-hmm. when you put out people's information like that uh let's take for instance if kayla was actually underage i can't remember the age she was when it happened i think she was 18 or something she was in her early 20s but imagine a 14 year old and that happens and then some predator comes and kidnaps her or, you know, uh, we always talk about those that are uh, kidnapping girls and selling them you mm-hmm. know, on the market. Like, those are, that's that, shit that can happen. It you, does happen. Yeah, you just don't want that. So do everything you can yourself possible not to put yourself in a, a position where that might happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just saying. And we're not victim blaming. No, not, no. Because I, these, I, these girls were, I just, were taken I wish, advantage of. I just, I think back then there wasn't enough of a precautionary statement given to somebody like, hey, you take this picture of yourself naked and it ends up in the wrong hands pretty easily. Yeah, like, I mean, in a perfect world, I wish none of that was possible. But, you know, I, like, I have to, I, you have to kind of be proactive with it. You just can't say well it's my right to do this it is your right and i'm not telling you you can't do it but like it's just for me it's like what do you really have to gain at that point let's even if you're thinking to yourself uh i want to go back to i don't want to spend too much time on this but it's okay uh i want to go back to an incident happened probably four or five years ago in ohio i think Uh, there was a two or three football players that raped a girl at a party Mm. a high school party uh, at the time, they took video and pictures of what was going on. Like, as if, It was more like they were trying to consider a consensual sex, but she was drunk off her ass. And she was under 18. So, that didn't go on the, it didn't go on the internet, or she didn't get kidnapped, but what happened was she would go to school, and there was pictures of her in the hallways of the school. So, even if you're not going on some sort of global scale, like this Hunter Moore shit... Uh, just think about, you know, what could happen. Now, granted, it's not her fault she got raped. And these kids deserve prison. I don't care, even though they were underage. But uh, I just, you got to be careful because people will take something and they will abuse it and you can be hurt. And like, I think that girl committed suicide after that. I can't remember. Me it either. Was... It's been a while, but I, I, I remember it just being a very 
touchy topic with me because the parents were like, you know, they're just they were trying to protect because they were the, the coaches were team. yeah they were they were like you know these these kids have a future and blah 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 and yeah I so like you know they disregarded the girls and I just I really get mad about that it's like we gotta look out for these young ladies and. You know, the best way to do that is to make sure that this kind of shit doesn't happen. Yeah, try to be proactive with yourself. I get um, it. You see the cute guys and you want to get to know them and be cool with them. But you got to be smart about it and, you know, stay together. One thing girls do sometimes, they leave one girl behind and that turns out bad. Uh, never leave without your buddy. Your exit buddy should always be there. You have an exit buddy. Yeah. I, I really do, like... Again, please don't think we are not victim shaming or anything. We're just back then this this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. The um the understanding of how hacking and stuff was like at a lower level than what it is now. So now that we have this knowledge ahead of time, we're just really urging young people who I know they send each other selfies and TikToks and, you know, just use common sense. Protect be, yourself. Yeah, be protect proactive. yourself. Be careful that you're not going to see, like, somebody is taking a... Because um, the last thing you want is that, you know, you're dating a guy, take some photos, send it to him, and then he gets pissed off and you break up, and also the next thing you know, it's on Facebook. You just don't want that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's better not to do that. So Even though this was devastating for a lot of women who got their pictures up on the website you know without consent we were just talking about butthole girl everything was consensual and she was really trying to make a name for herself but you know ultimately she was a young mother and because of the type of website this was they took her kids away yeah the the father took the kids away from from her from being able to see the kids yeah just for her being attached to it and, and knowing about it like it's one thing if she would have said well I didn't do none of this was my permission that that was a different story mm-hmm. but because she was willingly participating uh, into all this that led to some problems and she was pretty broken up about it like that that could be a jarring thing but even towards the end of the doc she was like you know I kind of miss it and I think she's one of those people that just wanted to make money like a cam girl does. Mm-hmm. And, but, and she, that's what she was doing. She was doing cam girl stuff. But you're doing it for the wrong sites. Mm-hmm. You know, now they have better places for young women to do that if they want to go that route with their careers or whatever. Because you can make money on cams doing stuff like that. But uh, just make sure whoever you're working with is legit and you're not, you're at least getting paid. Like, you don't want to come out of there and be like, I have nothing to show for it. Exactly. <laughs> Except for embarrassment and no kids. And right now, we're seeing the positives that, you know, these these women went through a lot. But because Charlotte and the FBI and James really stuck with this case, and they linked everything, and they figured out what was going on, um, we're, we're seeing the laws that were passed, um, and we're seeing how these type of things now, down the road are actual crimes you know it's before it really wasn't a crime and except for hacking so there was progress made even though this was like the fucking wild wild west and people were just eating it up i um i'm happy that they were able to 
get some results from it. I, I mean, you, you know me, I love a good time, but I don't think it's a good time at other people's expense when you're sharing naked photos. If it's something that's going to hurt somebody or destroy them, it's not a good I time. I mean, if, if, and you saw that, like, most right, of these Granted, people... you had to keep it in contact. Now, this whole thing was a, a sham from the beginning because it was all malicious. Um, but for those that would say that, you know, guys like Dave Chappelle are doing it wrong, I'm like, no, that you have to take it in context because we have to be able to laugh at ourselves no matter who it is. Uh, comedians do this stuff for a living. It's jokes. Uh, what Hunter Moore was doing was out of spite and, and, and negativity and malicious act. So, Maliciously not taking people's right. photos down when they asked. Yeah, so Chappelle's not doing it to try to spite or hurt people. Uh, Hunter Moore was. So we just have to remember that when it comes to certain things like that, if, we're, if you're not a politically correct person, that... You have to be able to discern and determine what the intent is there. And it's been, I mean, again, this happened a while ago at the emergence of smartphones at, you know, the laws were not very clear. And now we're seeing that, you know, there are consequences if you're taking advantage of someone. And hopefully going forward, you know, the young people out there... I really hope no one sees this and tries to duplicate what he did. They won't get very far. And Too many people now with the way that society is, it's like they'll shut them down in a hurry. And Anonymous will look at it and, you know, just, no, it just won't happen. Uh, people may try and, you know, they might start small and then if they get any kind of notoriety, it'll be shut down. Well, see, that's kind of how it ha happened with Hunter. Is He started off really small, but then... It was, but then he got a guy he, to start hacking. And, and it got to his head and yeah, the ego. And yeah. he realized, like, I'm getting all these hits. It, it, it took a couple of months, but it was it blew up. So I I really think this is great to watch. And oh, yeah. It's a good I, doc. Very informative. I really hope you guys watch it. Um, so, anyway. Check it out. Check it out. We loved it. Uh, next block of music, uh, Damnation Prayer from Grand Sounds Promotions, but I got a couple of tracks from Necrotic Records, mm. Harkonian, and then we're going to kick it off with a minion to worship the lunar eye.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Alright. So, we went a little ways back in the catalog. Yeah, this this was your pick this week. Um, and honestly, I know that these movies have all kind of been like... Because you were a kid when they came out. And they're just fantasy movies, really. Um... So this week we watched The, the Golden, Golden Voyage, Voyage of Sinbad. <laughs> and ironically, I, I probably about maybe a year ago, I got like a triple package of these. So I have the seventh Voyage of Sinbad, which was done in 58. Uh, this one, which was done in 73. And then I have the Eye of the Tiger, which was done in 77, which also started a young Jane Seymour kind of funny because she was also a Bond girl. Yes, she was. And so was... Carolyn um, Monroe. It was in this in one. In this one, yeah. Um, so, what really cracked me up, and I guess it's because I can't remember if I've ever watched this or if I watched it ever before. All of these people are supposed to be, like, Middle Eastern. <laughs> they, they have the worst Middle Eastern accent. It's, like, kind of British more than anything. And they're just white dudes spray tanned. And I'm like, this makes sense because of when it was made. You know, nowadays they would really try harder to find some, you know... Yeah. Movie. I mean, I, I pulled up a review from the seventh Voyage of Cinema, which is the first one. And the guy who does it... I didn't read the entire review, but he has, like, little clips 
you know, stills, and then he has, like, a little captions underneath, and one of them he has, it was a different guy playing Sinbad, he, but he, has, he says, Sinbad, aren't we just so adorably white? <laughs> so, clearly, he was probably making a point about that as well, but, you know, it, that's the thing, at the time, they weren't really thinking outside the box for uh, actors and actresses. No, they just had their, like, Hollywood... Right. group of people that they would use and right. that's fine whatever I um I, I I get it that that's all they they would pull from they would not try to reach out to I mean there's so many more not just Hollywood there's other countries that have their own like movie productions and we've seen that like there are other ways to get different ethnicities and I I think if they Again, I'm not trying to be woke. I'm just saying it cracked me up because these were clearly very <laughs> white people with a really bad spray tan. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just put a turban on him. Boom. He's Middle Eastern. It was it was great, though, because it was a, a, tr a true fantasy um, movie. Um, I think the interesting um, for me were, were the stop motion effects. Yep. Because, and that's really basis of. I mean, if you took those out, and everyone's heard us talk about Clash of the Titans and Ray Harryhausen and what he did with that the mm -hmm. original, and stuff like Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms and films like this, it's like the work that goes into doing that, and then at the time when you're watching these things, it's like without those monsters, it's it's really kind of not a good story. Like, it's not that the acting is necessarily bad; it's just kind of bad. But, uh, you know, they, they were smart about this kind of stuff. Uh, why it took so long from 58 to 73 to get another one out, who knows. But, um, obviously, going into the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, they, they wanted some eye candy. So, Kelly Monroe, who's very easy on the eyes, are going to pull her up. And she was already kind of doing all these other films in the genre of horror and fantasy. So, uh, she's, you know, easy cast for, you know, for the damsel in distress type thing. Uh, I don't know much about, I think it's John Philip Laws, the guy playing Sinbad. I don't know much about his acting history or anything. Uh, I think when I think about his portrayal of Sinbad versus the first guy, uh, I do like uh, Philip a lot more than that. Um, he, uh, he's been in um, the Spaghetti Western Death Rides a Horse with Lee Van Cleef. Okay, I saw that. Yeah. And he was in Barbarella saw with that. Jane Fonda. <laughs> um, so I've seen him before. I just probably didn't know him by name. But yeah, uh, basically the tale here is uh, Sinbad and company are basically sailing and then some little like weird creature that looks like a half bat, half Lizard. Little baby dragon thing. Right. Uh, is flying around with this like, little piece of this uh, amulet type thing that he's got. And they shoot it down. Sinbad has it. And then he connects with this, uh, the guy. I think he's a king. Uh, and he has like another portion of this amulet. Like So there's three pieces. And uh, once you put them all together, you can go to what's called... like It's almost like the Fountain of Youth almost. You can actually get immortality uh you become protected by shadows where you go invisible and i kind of forget what the third thing was you can oh it's riches and so 
Uh, there's another guy um, who I don't know who the villain's name is. Uh, Tom Baker, I think. Maybe. Yeah, so I think he's the guy who plays like the villain. So he's the one that actually is like this sorcerer who wants to get his hands on the amulet, all the pieces of the amulet, and uh, get it together. And of course, you know, but what he has to do is he knows that Sinbad has one piece and now another guy has another. So he's got to kind of follow them around and try to... It's almost like... Um, National Treasure or something where you got two people competing for the same things. Uh, but National Treasure is better made than this in terms of like just structure of script and mm -hmm. execution. But at the time, this was probably really fun to watch. Uh, at the, you know, especially for a kid like me, I was like, I was all into this. I was like, yeah, this and Godzilla, yeah, you know. So all the stop motion and the all big the monsters, giant. yeah. So it, it's hard for me. I just I cannot not love these films. And uh, by now, people know I have a massive crush on classic Carolyn Monroe. So <laughs> I think I've, I've subjected Neko to like, what was the other movie we watched uh, with uh, Bridget Leahy that she was in? Uh, Faceless. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just, it's random. She pulls up in anywhere. And then, but, like, you know, for those that don't know, Carolyn ended up in Adam Man's video for Goody Two Shoes. Uh, I didn't know that initially till later. I was like, oh my god, yeah, it was her. I just didn't really recognize her at the time. Uh, but the movie itself is a lot of fun. And re really, Ray Harryhausen is such a genius. And like, it can't be stressed enough how much work goes into doing stop-motion monsters. Uh, they tell you when there's like a great doc on Ray out there, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's very good. It goes into detail about how long it took him just to do certain scenes so you know whether it's clash of the titans or any of these other movies like you spend hours upon hours moving the arm a certain way a little bit a certain way mm -hmm. take a picture and it's you remember like it's kind of like the flip books you draw pictures on each page and, and you flip you... through it and it makes that's basically what it is and so, really, it's Ray that kind of makes everything come together. And, and whether it's little bat thingies or uh, the there's the third film, uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. You know, you have a saber-toothed cat and uh, dragons and, you know, just one-eyed minotaur-looking creatures. Oh, yeah, stuff. at the end, when they had the Griffith and the, um, yeah. the minotaur fighting, it was, I mean, that's a lot of work to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I don't even know how much time it took to do that entire fight sequence, because it wasn't short. Mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, this, you know, but the entire film, Sinbad, they're chasing down this third Hamlet, and, you know, they got to piece it together and whatnot but you know it's a lot of back and forth between fighting and you've got little tribes and mini hulks we call them <laughs> that's what they look like <laughs> they weren't really hulks but they just they, they were, were all green, green and yeah. they, oh god that was funny so i was and i feel back because i know this is you know it's a childhood favorite of yours and i'm like this i was making all these jokes like left and right um but he was he was making some too because well yeah and it and you know that's the thing you can still love this film but at the same time i mean hell we got started with the movie and i was already cracking jokes mm -hmm. i was like doing the mystery science theater 3000 type shit you're like so <laughs> right yeah so you're not really going to these films for the acting, so to speak. It's it's. It, I mean, even Carolyn isn't that great of an actress at this point, anyway. You know, it's like 
But it really, um, I think it opened it up for her. Like, we were watching the um, behind-the-scenes things, and she, um, when she was younger, she apparently had um, a learning disability. Yeah. And uh, she was shy. She was really shy and and introverted, and she, she entered a modeling contest, and turns out that she won, and it just started opening more and more doors for her. She she did want to be an actress, and she got to be, you know, an actress. She, and she I was telling him as we're watching this little blurb on her, that she looked like she was a lot of fun. Like she was, she oh, was yeah. great with her fans. She's done a lot of comic cons. She was having fun with her movies. She was not yeah. trying to be like I'm a super snobby, serious. She, she or wanted... the, the flip side is like some actresses or actors who've done bad films in the past try to disown that. To they hide don't. it, yeah. Uh, she's very proud of all the work she's had, which I'm very happy for. Like that's, and I, I love when actresses do that because Danielle Harris, who grew up in the horror genre uh, with the Halloween films, and then of course later on with the Hatchet films and whatnot. Uh, she doesn't regret any of it. She just that that's her thing, and she loves it all. So, even for someone like Dee Wallace, who spent a lot of time in like horror films, she doesn't even like horror films. But she said, "I just was good at it, so I just kept doing <laughs> she it." She said, "I just kept going for and it." And it was constant work. So I was like, "Well, that's great because you're now a fucking icon." So it's like you know, uh, but yeah, it was kind of cool because uh, I went on Rotten Tomatoes. I was interested in what the scores are for these things and. Uh, Audience was kind of low for 64%, but, you know, I don't know how many of that is old and new, but uh, critics-wise, with only 16 reviews, was 75%, so they were at least giving it a C grade, which is good. I give it about a B in terms of entertainment value. I mean, it really is meant for entertainment. It's not... We're not talking Schindler's List here. We're talking about... It's, it's, it's all for Ray Harryhausen. you got to be honest about it, because... Mm-hmm. It's the monsters, and that, and that's why we love these films. And it's films. okay, it's okay yep. just to watch something for the, we watch Godzilla for there's monsters. A, yeah, there's a lot of bad dialogue in Godzilla films, and we just put up with it because we want to see the monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like, okay, monsters fight, big monster fight, big, big monster, <laughs> like Hulk, you know, big my big monster. That's what I do when I want to see monster films, you know. So. What other, I know you were saying Ray Harryhausen did Clash of the Titans and this, but like, he's done a lot of things. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head some of the other films that he's done because he really, before CGI, there was only practical effects. So if you're trying to turn a big monster movie, the only option you had was doing, you know, monster suits. You had claymation. Or practical effects where you actually are building, you know, a monster and operating the monster the way that, like, they did in Alien. Or Aliens. Um, well, it's, it's, yeah, so, okay, so his first time doing any kind of thing was Mighty Joe Young, 1949, as a first technician. Then Beast of 20,000 Fathoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came from Beneath the Sea, uh, the animal world. This is by 1956 and what they do now with him uh they list him as effects technician and documentary so he's in that movie <laughs> they've listed all the creatures that he was using so brontosaurus allosaurus stegosaurus triceratops tyrannosaurus so all these dinosaurs that, that he created that well yeah that he was working with and creating uh then he did earth versus the flying saucers where he did the flying saucers 
20 Million Miles to Earth, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbite, so the first film in the series he did, and I'm sure he did the third one as well. Uh, the Three Worlds of Gulliver, Mysterious Island, Jason the Argonauts, that's another film. That might be the one I have. I might not have Seven Voyage. I can't remember, but I, I like that fucking film too. Uh, which is different from the Sinbad, but it's all same in terms of your monsters and stuff. Uh, First Men in the Moon, 1 million BC, years BC, I remember that one, 66. The Valley of Gwangi, that's another one that's a very classic movie. With I don't Johnson. know that one. Oh, it's good. Uh, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, the Sinbad and Eye of the Tiger. Again, they start listing like the ghouls, the baboon, the minotaur, the horn. That's from the Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, we had the Hominic, Hominicus. I guess that might be the little creature. Mm-hmm. Figurehead, I'm not sure what that one is. Kali is the sword arms and all that. The uh, oh, cool. idol. Cenotar and the Griffin of the Quarth are him as well. Uh, then, of course, the last one he did, uh, Clash of the Titans, and that's probably because at that point CGI might have became a bigger thing. And so the amount of work that went into, you know, they wouldn't pay for someone to spend mm-hmm. hours trying to do all that anymore. So, like, but like when I went, when we watched, um, when I watched, you didn't see it, uh, that spider movie, Itsy Bitsy. Uh, that was using practical effects like that. They took a little miniature spider and they were doing that. Now, I don't know how long it took them to do that with that one, but... Yeah, so Clash of the Titans, he did everything. Vulture, Pegasus, Calibus, Bubo... Calibus. Medusa, Scorpions, Kraken. Medusa was like... Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he was amazing. And so... I, I don't think you're going to find anybody who's into the kind of stuff that we are that isn't going to, like love all these films that he's been a part of and that's not trying to take away from the actors who were actually performing but it's just that's the strength is harry house you know it's like that's that's the guy that's making it work and that's really when you write those kind of scripts you're like okay the monsters will be the focus but then we're just gonna build around it somehow because that he was just a big guy you know big name people wanted to use him for a lot of that stuff so and i think that's really cool like you know Nowadays, everything is really um, with movies because there's so many coming out all the time. Everything is very, uh, this is a fantasy, this is a a monster movie, this is a drama, this is a comedy, whatever. But back then, they did kind of like say, okay, this is, this might be a romance or, but there weren't as many movies coming out. So you would see more you know because you'd go to the movies and they'd show like three movies and you would end up seeing some of these movies and just kind of be like hmm, wow that really does look like a monster you know it's moving and and that's kind of the cool thing because around this time between the, the late 60s and the 70s was i think really when i think about it there was like three main genres and maybe i'm just being biased but you know you had horror so mm-hmm. you had all the hammer horror films with christopher lee uh, etc and then who Carolyn Monroe also did a film with uh, spaghetti westerns were mm-hmm. big uh, and then of course fantasy films like this um, now obviously you had bigger budget stuff that came out in the settings like Jaws and Close Encounters and Spielberg sort of gaining that right and also the summer blockbuster hit but I think really like you know when we think of all the things we remember about that time period it's a lot of those three other genres with the, the stuff so I mean, nowadays, even that we do have CGI, it doesn't mean it's always good. Mm-hmm. We were watching the the previews for the She-Hulk, and I was like, we we said that they lo- the Hulk and She-Hulk looked like Shrek. 
Like, it didn't look like Hawk and She-Hawk. It, it just... And for me, it, it, it would almost distract me enough that it would be hard to watch it. Like, I, I would be more distracted by they both look like Shrek and Fiona versus Hawk and She-Hawk. Um, I mean, it, it, at this point, you would think CGI... We, we what, what did we just watch? Where it, it was like, okay, we've got all these animations and we've got the CGI and we've got whatever we just, I think it was um, the the multiverse thing. Oh, yeah, that's so strange, yeah. So we're watching the credits and it's like first CGI team, first oh, animation God, yeah. team, anima so they, I, I get it, maybe She-Hawk is, uh, is a small, you know, it's going to be on TV, but it doesn't even look good. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know, um, like, I, I would be interested in watching it because it looks like it'll be funny. Like, as much complaints that King of the Monsters got for CGI, uh, it was a lot worse than Clash of the Titans remake. It was worse. Way worse. Uh, they kind of hit it a little bit with King of the Monsters because it was a little bit darker. Uh, but then with Godzilla vs. Kong, it looked fine. Right? Like, it was really, really good. Very detailed. Um, you're not always going to escape some of the obvious stuff. But that's just how CGI is. You're never going to get, like, 100% legit unless it's, like, an animated movie. Like, you know, like, what is it? Nemo looks fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's animation. So CGI, it has its point as long as... But we've seen films before where it mixes both CGI and practical effects, and that works well, too. Um, might have been, I think it might have been, We talked about the Reign of Fire. Mm -hmm. worked, they did both. Because we watched the whole behind-the-scenes, yeah. and the director was just on top of it too yeah. he, he so i i think that just because and granted they didn't have a lot of cgi or a lot of effects remember like the he was like catching the little thing you could tell it wasn't even sitting on his hand like yeah it they, they had what they could work with back then and I, I would love to see more things like what they did in Reign of Fire, where they would start pulling in the practical effects and the CGI to, like, enhance things. Right. Not just, like, solely working on an animation, but really, you know, don't just have a green screen up and, like, throw some shit around it. Like, really use both to kind of complement each other, and I think that works even better. I... Again, I, I was just, I just thought it was super hysterical, all this stuff, because I'm like, oh, look at this little guy. And then <laughs> at the beginning when the little guy drops the amulet and then Captain Sinbad puts it on, I'm like, is this really a good idea? And then he goes to bed and there's like chains and stuff below deck. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck's going on down below deck? And, and Captain Sinbad's, uh, uh cabin and then he has a bad dream and i'm like oh you don't do you think it might be the amulet you're wearing right <laughs> like the it, the storytelling is literally a fantasy story stuff that it's not meant to be thought-provoking exactly sure. don't take it too <laughs> seriously like um oh remember when the the boat came to life like the wooden yeah um, that's probably harry housing yeah. yeah so like the carving on the front was a woman and then it came to life, and it's attacking the crew. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. So check it out. Check out any of those films, actually, because I highly recommend them uh, if you like fun movies.
Uh, meanwhile, we're going to get back into our music again. We got some insanguinate. I don't know how you pronounce that. Insanguinate. Insanguinate. Okay. <laughs> From Quabar PR. I I'm so bad at this. Uh, but we're going to kick it off with some organectomy, and this is called Fragments of Gray Matter. Brand new stuff. <laughs>
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith. Jonathan West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
sacred sin storms over a dying world. Uh -huh. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this show. Thanks for the support and thanks for all the music you send us through the labels and promotional sites. Much appreciated. Yes, we do appreciate it. We, uh, we've been having a really good time today listening to the... I the Part of what we do, I and this might just be a shock to you, we don't just edit in the music. We kind of treat this like we're doing a live show. So uh -huh. we play the music too and like enjoy the music as if you were listening to the music, we're listening to it as well. So hopefully you kind of get the sense like, okay, we're sitting here listening to music and, and sometimes I'll, like if I'm trying to explain to someone what DJ Anubis and I are doing, I'm like, yeah, we're doing our podcast and listening to music because that's literally what we're doing is we're sitting down together enjoying the music. Yeah. So again, thanks much, everyone. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Got one last track for it. It's called a band called Torturize. And this is Nebula. Thanks, all. <laughs>